hello, Scotty. Oh, hello, Scotty. Oh, hello, Scotty. Oh, Scotty. Oh, hello, Scotty. Oh, hello, Scotty. Oh, hello, Scotty. Oh, hello, 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 Scotty. Oh, are you there now? And have you pressed record so we can start the show? We really John, have to find an alternative. So stupid. <laughs> she stopped starting the show with this nuts. <laughs> John, we really do need to find a different way to start the show. Yeah. You know what we could do to start the show to improve it? We could we could end it just as at the same time as we start it. Not not turn up. <laughs> yeah, to not turn up is the best way we could start this show for many people. Okay. And on this week's episode of the I Developer Podcast, then we're not going to do anything, and it'll be our highest rated episode forever. <laughs> Stunning applause. Of course, it could be our it could be our best week ever because uh, just after recording last week's show, uh, uploaded the files to uh, Dropbox where we put them, where uh, Sam grabs them to edit, and I thought, oh, I can't remember which show number this is. I'll just go to the um, the podcast uh, feed website and just take a look at what last week's was, <laughs> and it was gone. And somehow our podcast host, who are Castos, um. Uh, totally and utterly lost our podcast, John. Inside job. Now I'm trying to work out which of our listener, which which of our listener listener paid them and how much? to lose it. And um, so yeah, so basically our our podcast disappeared for for maybe three or four days, and then uh, eventually it came back and it was missing two episodes. Um, so yeah, there was like still a little bit of jibber. and then eventually, it, yeah, it finally came back with all the episodes. And you know what? Nobody noticed or sent me an email. <laughs> that is how popular we are right now. <laughs> um, well, I know. Well, well, and further, I sent you something, which is I'm the only one who noticed in the world besides you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the only people who noticed that the uh, the podcast had gone was myself and you. And um, that probably just sums it up. So, John, based on that, I think it's your turn to listen this week. <laughs> Once we put it, I'll let you know when the show's up and you you can have a listen. <laughs> well, I mean, if that was the case, I wouldn't even bother with, with having to you know make the cast-offs be the middleman. I would just listen to the recording I said, which has just me. <laughs> So. Yeah, that's true, because you don't want to listen to the bit with me in anyway, so that's just... Okay, anyway, yeah. Well, Scotty, you know, no amount of your, you know, efforts to, to bring me down are going to succeed in bringing me down, because I'm actually in a fairly good mood. Not, you know, partly because I have a freshly frothed cappuccino. Mm. But secondly, because uh, yesterday was the the great big series of demos, and I did two, um, and they were both well received, and I managed to whip, you know, whip the software into shape. One was, uh, uh, you know, kind of recent wins in accessibility, which I hadn't, uh, you know, that I didn't have to do any last minute code from that. I just wanted to make a careful recording of of these changes and talk about it. But the the other one, which was the one I was more concerned about, was this new project I've been working on, which was its kind of first unveiling to the the general public at large among you know Netflix uh, employees and execs. Would you like to know a little bit about it, Scotty? Sorry, I thought you were just going to go straight into it. Yeah, John, John, well, I, I would, I, I, I would, I would love to know more about it, especially if it stops you singing and um, ingesting liquids down my ears. Oh, well, okay, first of all, Scotty. <laughs> This is the experience of me doing a podcast with you. 
Secondly, you know, it's even worse than that because it's, 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 you know, what I'm not, I'm not going to relitigate that. My therapist says I need to let go of it, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> no, it was, it, it was fun. You know, it, it's, I say preparing for these things is, is a lot of work. I still can't say exactly what it is because it hasn't been seen by the public yet and it's still ways off for that. But it is an important waypoint uh, in, in the development because it's, a, it, 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 predictably raised a bunch of questions as of why are you doing that? And once people could see and and we could answer for them as well, it, it put a lot of, I won't say fears, but it made it clear that that there actually is a need for for this canvas. And so it's nice to get a little bit of, of validation for that because, you know, there's nothing worse than working hard on something and have somebody say, ah, it makes no sense. You don't need it. We're not going to do that. You know, thanks for doing the research, but uh, no. Um, and, and we can certainly happen. And, and, and in fact, even with the, with the best laid hypothesis and all the enthusiasm in the world, you can still release a test and it, 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 it could, you know, not do anything. In fact, it could be damaging to, to a core metric. So, you know, of course, that's still the possibility. But I still feel pretty confident about this. Um, and in fact, I was even had a, a late night meeting with, uh, with some folks in Greece, um, one of whom... I, you know, was in some ways an inspiration for this when I was talking to her about about Netflix in general. So that was kind of cool. Still vague, but, you know, the important thing as well is that you can be all prepared and have everything ready, but you can still flub things up. Who knew? But that's possible. And and here's a little thing I learned uh, on uh, yesterday about presenting on Google Hangouts because, uh, you know, many shops end up being all Google for, for, for all the office productivity apps. And I can't, you know, <laughs> I can't tell you how lame I think Google Slides is. And, and it, it, for lots of different reasons, it's just if once you've started using, once you've used Keynote, switching to something like Google Slides is just heinous. And it's not because it's a web app. It's just a conscious, just dumbass design decisions. In fact, there was a, whatever, John Gruber linked somebody, linked a, a you know, a diatribe against Google Slides, and it makes perfect sense. But but the other thing about it, though, is that Google Slides is, is tightly integrated with Google Meet and all the other Google-y products. And um, when I'm presenting, you know, for me, it's helpful to be able to to have in one, you know, have side-by-side side a, a some type of gallery view of the audience so I can see are they kind of paying attention, nodding off, looking off and discuss whatever, and my slide notes. So the only kind of reasonable way to do that is to have two side-by-side -side windows in a browser. And I always figured that would be perfectly fine to do because in Google Slides, there's a little button that says present to meeting. And, and I assume that that would just work. Silly me, it absolutely does not work if you want audio, <laughs> which <laughs> when you're preparing, yeah, you've got a video. So I, I'm sitting there presenting it and I'm thinking everything's going great. I'm kind of rocking back and forth until about, you know, 15 seconds in and somebody says, John, are you presenting? I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm <just> so embarrassing. <laughs> And so fortunately, my demo partner on that says, here, why don't I do my part? And then you can you can call the AV squad and figure out what's going on. So I did. <laughs> you know, people were slacking me saying, dude, you, you know, you have to present from, you know, present a tab. And I was like, why should I have to do that? Then it kind of in the end, it made a little bit of, of sense to the extent that I, I'm imagining that in terms of sandbox or security, there's a difference between two things being in the same window and being in separate tabs versus, you know, being in, in utterly separate windows. I could be wrong, but that just my spidey sense tells me that, that, that in order to get audio streams, which are, you know, require some type of hardware access, 
and these are web apps, you know, that there's no way around it. But what is so annoying is that, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't lull you into the feeling that, you know, with a big button says present a meeting and lets you choose the meeting that, that things would actually work. It, anyway, that was, that was my, my problem, but th that was for the, the, you know, accessibility wins and that, you know, when you're, when you're showing voiceover, for example, you can't do the, the kind of regular thing of, of making a screen recording on the device. And I use that all the time for, you know, doing my little demos of like, here's how the, this iOS app software works. Um, but, you know, to be able to show how voiceover works and to be able to show your, your finger gestures, which is critically important, you have to do it. And typically, you know, I do the cheap way of just dumping the, the device, you know, that I'm performing it on, on a counter and then holding another, uh, another, you know, another phone on top of it, and that ends up being all shaky and doesn't really work. So I, here I spent the extra whatever ten minutes to try and set up, you know, a, a tripod or kind of one of these these, yeah, kind of weird tripod things to make that work, and it did make all the difference in the world. So next time, if I ever give a presentation showing voiceover, the uh, the quality might be a little bit better. Um, and I even did the thing where I use screen curtain, the three finger, whatever, triple tap to actually hide what's on the screen to really make it drive the point home. It's like, you know, people who can't see really can't see. So this is what their experience is. And oftentimes I see developers when they're demoing voiceover, they count on the fact that they can actually see thing and they, they purposefully tap on a button. Um, so screen curtain makes it very, very clear. So that, that was well received. So that made me happy. So, um. Yeah, all around, uh, one could be in a far worse mood. Well, firstly, congratulations on getting your demo, you know, technical issues aside, uh, <laughs> out there. And, uh, yeah, maybe some people would have said not being able to hear you was better or whatever. Um, I don't know. But there we are. Yes, very mean. Um, but this whole, yeah, uh, testing things properly is something that um, uh, has come up for me this week. Um, in, in, in So I was uh, suddenly got a... Um, uh, a bug report on one of the apps I work on that uh, it did it did strange things if um, if you were using um, an, any right to left language such as Arabic or, or Hebrew, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't working properly for for certain things, and and so was a little bit. This was with collection views. Basically, there was a a collection view that showed you were like a the the whole mosaic of um, of options that you had or, or things to look at. And uh, basically the way this application, particular application had been written to work, that if you selected one of those, um, what it actually did was load another collection view, um, which still had the same data as in before, but now each cell was the whole screen. Um, so you could then continue to swipe left or right to go through the, the now what you would call the detail in the master detail collection view. Um, so it wasn't reload. It wasn't like an individual screen was reloading. It was just putting a collection view on a different, different nature. And of course, if you exited, it put things back um, to where you were, you know, to the position, whatever position you were in there. The the detail collection view, you'd be back in the master collection view with the mosaic of of what you're looking at. And um, yeah, it's you know not a, a an overly complex uh, thing on the whole, but through this whole wanting to know where to animate things back to when you came out of one collection view to the other collection view. Um, this app had used a, a custom collection view. It did. It used um, its own custom collection view in order to, um, you know, to do certain calculations on where things were to get the animations right. Um, and, of course, those calculations only worked if you were using a left-to-right language because when you have a... Um, 
uh, your device is in a right-to-left language, the default is for everything to load the opposite way in your collection views as well. So your first cell is it's the, uh, uh, the, the right and not the left. And when you're swiping um, uh, through a collection view in that nature as well, of course, that means your first one is at the far left of the the, the, uh, the scrubber scroll and not the right as it would be the other way. So all of these calculations that we're trying to work out where things were were in totally the wrong place because no one had ever tested it in uh, using a right-to-left language and uh, yeah, making it work. Now, of course, yeah, once you discovered this is what was happening, it was a, um, uh, a reasonably easy fix because... Um, Simple question it, of maths. Maths or math, depending on where you come from. But uh, uh, yeah, the um, UI collection view lay- flow layout has um, uh, the flips horizontally in opposite layout direction property is it uh which basically means you can um if if it's the collection view is in the layout is knows it's in uh, a, a right to left language thing it will still return you the coordinates as though you were in a left to right so then you only have to write the math or the maths uh depending where you're from once you just have to be aware of it but yeah it was just a case of um you know it, it wasn't like it was a big issue or a big problem, but yeah, if you don't test it properly, then you're not going to find this stuff. And it's the same you're saying with you. If you don't test accessibility and voiceover, you know, properly with the screen dark, how do you really know that it, it's working? So there's a lot of assumptions being made. So it's um, uh, yeah, that was that was a lesson of the week. Here is make sure you. You put your devices in other languages. Now, it's it's that's often quite challenging when you can't read the other languages. You have to be fairly knowledgeable of iOS because, of course, to put your <laughs> your phone back into English, you have to be able to find the um, date and time section in the general settings in order to put it back again. <laughs> when in Hebrew, that is quite <laughs> first time you do it. You suddenly you, realize you have to do <laughs> you have to have me- muscle memory. It's totally yeah. true. Uh, now I have a lot better memory of where everything is. Um, I'm not sure I could still read the Hebrew for it or the Arabic for it, but um, <laughs> at least in muscle memory, I remember where. Back. So if it changes in a later release of iOS, then my my testing will be be a little bit different there. Uh, I mean, you regularly speak about having to test all this stuff in. Um, the, I mean, because you've obviously done lots of stuff in in different languages, and you, we've spoken about it many times um, uh, over the years. I mean, so do you as a developer? Um, you know, the, the question is often, where do you pick this up? Do you, as the developer, test in you know lots of different languages? Do you wait for QA to do it, or or, or whatever? Um, this is a general question, not just you specifically. Well, yeah, um, I mean, I, I have a few things to say about that. One is is that you know you're right. We have to test in a bunch of different languages, and I hardly expect you know every developer to speak multiple languages. It helps if if you know at least one or two, at least have some familiarity. And most people. I want to say most people who aren't Americans <laughs> should speak another language. Well, I think the Brits British. I could make the same, right? Um, but you know, the reality is that most software teams at global companies have people from all over the world. So somewhere on your team, you'll have somebody who at least has some passing familiarity to some of the issues. They may not understand every single word, but they would understand, you know, the fact that Thai has tall diacritical marks, or or you know, could tell you the difference between the phonetic alphabet and the, and the you know kind of symbolic alphabet in 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 Japanese for example. 
So there's all that. But in terms of, of what every developer needs to know, you hit on something that's very important about, about switching direction and, and doing calculation because Apple, you know, bless their heart, wants to do lots of this work for you. And so if they say, so they, they you know, you may have noticed that, that uh, a lot of things now don't, they stop referring to left to right and they, 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 they start talking about leading and trailing. And you talk about leading anchor and, and, and trailing anchor. And, and once you start doing that, then they can do the behind-the-scene maths for you because they would know that, you know, one one person's leading is another person's trailing. That's one thing. But where things can become a little bit trickier is if your your app starts in a language that's different from the system language. And that was something that was, you know, caused a lot of 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 work on our part because a Netflix profile can be in any language. And so you could happily be on a, on a phone that's set with its system language being English, but somebody switches a profile and it's Japanese or in, in Hebrew. And it's actually fairly common, especially with shared devices where maybe they want the kids to, to, to learn English. So they put the kids profile in English and the, the main profile and the main operating system is in, is, is in Arabic, for example. Um, and so in that particular case, you get into the situation where as far as the operating system is concerned, they are in, in, in you know, a, a left to right situation or right to left, but that you, your app, your profile, your contacts is in the other one. And so they're, they're, your calculations can be off. And, and in order to make switching back and forth a lot easier, a long time ago, I created a, a th- th- we have a debug menu in the app, which um, we can debug builds. You can long press on the nav bar and it gives you a, a access to a bunch of ones, one of which is language switcher. And that's a, certainly a whole lot easier to do because it doesn't require you to flip the operating systems. So it's a lot faster for one thing. And secondly, it, it makes it possible for a developer who may not really, you know, wouldn't be able to tell you anything about Arabic or Hebrew other than the fact that things are, are right to left because it becomes every developer's responsibility to at least do some basic testing of that because that's, that's, that's something you should be able to tell very early on is there a problem, you know, for, for linguistic issues and more subtle things that, that, you know, only somebody who speaks and reads the language should be able to figure out. Then we have automated screen captures where we, we, you know, we'll run the app you can put the app, you can create a session with a user with a particular geo-overridden account, and you can assign them to certain A-B tests, um, and then you can run through a test and we'll make screen captures of it. And so that typically um, uh, localization team will just look at screenshots and they can tell at a glance, hey, this is this is being truncated or whatever, or even a developer might be able to look at it and say, you know, to me, it looks like it's being truncated or you know, the behavior of, of this particular label is doing the right thing. It's expanding, but it's pushing something else out of the way and so on and so forth. So that's a long answer to say there's a, there's a pretty high bar of expectations for developers to be able to have at least familiarity with the types of issues and a, and a big investment in tools to try and make it, you know, easy as possible. There you go. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's some other things that as well, that we make certain assumptions that everything, it it's, it's not just it's just not coordinate systems or whatever else. That everything always runs the same way. Because one of the interesting things we had is this was the app was doing certain things on um, scroll view did scroll um, as is, is part of UI scroll view delegate, <laughs> and um, it was it was interesting that the order of some of these things firing was different when the device was in a left-to-right language to what it was in a right-to-left language. Um, so there were it wasn't just the fact that some of the math was wrong. It was because 
there had been an assumption made about possible order of this thing firing um it was making a calculation with the with the wrong math because the code itself was on the whole trying to use the index uh that was being you know used in the collection view and the index is correct whether you're going left to right right to left up down whatever um but there were certain things about trying to not make things recalculate when things were going back through the same thing and because of this different order of um the some of these delegate methods firing when it was in the other way um it was meant it was like now saving the wrong method but thinking it hadn't done so even when it eventually sorted itself out and got it right which it was doing at some points it was uh, it had cached all the wrong values so um yeah not assuming that um yeah, and we were always told this anyway you should never assume things are fired in a certain order that is a bad technique <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yep. you know, always initialize, always test, always check uh, in there. But uh, it just uh, um, highlighted it again that yeah, this is another thing. You know, don't don't assume events will come to you in a certain order because they may not, uh, if for reasons you don't expect, such as the language is different and that causes something different in the way one of the the standard controls works. Which means it might be because something is actually in a different order. It might be because it means the timings are different, which means things just happen to be in a different order because there was no order in the first place. Um, yeah, so assuming order of events is bad. Yes, it is. And you know what happens when you assume, Scotty? I'm sure you're going to tell me. I am. You make an... I assume you're going to tell me. <laughs> yes, you make an ass out of you and me. Yes, there we are. And, yeah, there's no I in team in all of that. <laughs> <laughs> We might as well get all these cliched statements out straight away. You know what I want to do when I retire? <laughs> and people say, please retire. I want Come over and beat the shit out of me? No, 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 no. I want to be a highly paid, you know, creator of, of, of you know, 70s-style office inspirational posters. You know, like, hang in there, baby, where they show, like, a cat hanging for its life or something like that. So, uh, there's... um. There's a supermarket in the UK called Tesco's. They're probably the biggest supermarket in the UK. And uh, I, I don't think they exist anymore. No, Tesco's do. But they used to have what was called their value range. And um, mm. their, so their value range was basically everything was very basic. It was like um, everything was just in a, blue, a blue and white label or a blue and white bag or a blue and white box. And it would say on the box roughly what it was, like Tesco's value cereal or whatever. Mm. If you ever see the movie um, Repo Man? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when mm-hmm. it, everything just had dog food written on it, or you know, whatever. It's a bit, it's a little bit, little bit like that. But it was always this kind of thing. And um, yeah, I remember just someone once put together this like um, Tesco's value motivational poster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I love that. It's um, and so basically, it just had this blue border. It was white, white, blue, and it just said, "Be motivated." <laughs> <laughs> so, there we go. So, I'll see if I can find an, uh, a link to it, an image on the web. So there we are. That's our um, that's our motivational talk for the week. Be motivated. All right, Scotty. <laughs> or whatever it might be. Can I can I can I go out on a limb and talk about something that has absolutely nothing to do with with software development, except for it kind of does, and I'll try and bring it back a little bit. Are you going to impress us with your cleverness in, in connectivity? Maybe I don't know, but I'm going to go. <laughs> okay. Well, We'll give it a go. Without a a net here, folks. Um, So, you know, having, you know, having been conscious during the 70s, I was aware of this album called Frampton Comes Alive because of a of a singer songwriter who's who's one of you, one of yours, Peter Frampton. (laughs) 
who had an album called Frampton Comes Alive, which in 1976, 1977 was like it spent like a year in, uh, on the charts and something like, you know, two months and at number one at the time. It was the, the highest selling live album created. Um, and it, it's like, I think with normal, you know, things with, with siblings, you, you tend to have some exposure from your siblings and that that's helps develop your music taste. And my brother being a guitarist was a raging Peter Frampton fan. And I do, I do definitely remember, you know, the seventies being the era of the lead guitarist with flashy solos, solos being important. And one thing that was interesting about Peter Frampton is that he was a good looking chap and, and he famously posed shirtless for, for this album, Frampton Comes Alive. It was a double album, so it would fold out. So you see his his pretty face with blue stage lights and then you fold on the bottom it had you know his 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 hairy chest and so as a result peter frampton was a bit of a teen idol and 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 i was you know as 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 he was described he's like the the artist who your sister adores because he thinks she thinks that he's cute and you like because he's you know a manly you know hairy chested rocker and so on and so forth um and so you know, I, I play drums and, and one of the one way of playing drums or learning to play any instrument is to playing along with your favorite music. And so I liked playing along to a live album because I used to pretend that the cheers were for me. <laughs> so, anyway, so, <laughs> and, and but I, I, I really I really liked the drummer, this guy named John Siamos or Siamos, I don't know how you pronounce his name. And, and he was like one of these drummers that never really quite got his due. He was highly influential to a lot of other drummers and that what you would hear. Um, but you know, and and I went on a nostalgia trip because I, for out of the blue, really wanted to hear one of these songs off of Frampton Comes Alive. Um, it was actually the, it was like the most popular, or whatever the most epic song in the album is called "Do You Feel Like We Do," which is the end song. It's like a twenty-minute tune, and, and it featured this thing called the the voice box, which was you know, and I fell down a YouTube rabbit hole. Can you tell? Looking into it, um, because it was actually invented by this guy who was a pedal steel guitar player um and it essentially it's so it's so analog it basically just routes it, it, you take a speaker cone and then you put a, a, a tube on it and because it's actually moving air you put the tube in your mouth when you're also singing and the sound is is shaped by your mouth and so you can play guitar and it will create notes but then you can shape the sound of the notes with your mouth and so it sounds like your your guitar is singing it was a shtick that 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 drove people wild it was kind of interesting. So I came across two things, and, and I thought that they gave lessons for it. One, which had to do with credit, because, you know, Peter Frampton is not the person who invented this piece of equipment, but he sure popularized it, and 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 everybody associated it with him. So, But it was always it's interesting to, to get the actual backstory of it. But the second thing has to do with um, how, how if you are you know, practice a certain instrument or technique, and then you go and... and uh, Take that, you know, and play something else, play another instrument or, you know, do something else. Let's say that you normally do performance and never really do animation. Your performance mind may give you, you know, give you a different perspective when you're looking at how an animation works because you are always thinking about how to do the least work possible to make it perform possible. Whereas an animation person may think, I just want to see what the effect and I, I never think about performance. And you can see that in, in this video that I unearthed of Peter Frampton playing drums. I didn't know, but he actually, you know, played drums and pre played pretty well. I mean, he didn't, it was hardly his primary instrument. But there's a segment of, of Peter Frampton performing in sunny Oakland, California. And in this 20 minute song, he's already done his first solo. He's a fucking rock star. So he goes back and says, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go play the drums. So here you have poor John Simos playing drums, doing really well. And Peter Frampton, who's 
whose name is on the ticket says, get the fuck out of the way. I don't want to play it. So he starts playing. But the fact of there's two things is that he actually plays well, but it's not that he's a flashy drummer or something, but that his, his feeling of the drums was quite different. So rather than just being kind of a timekeeper, he was playing something that's really stabbing. He's playing cymbal and snare at the same time to, to accent what he knew the, 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 you know, keyboard would play or would, would be hitting. And it actually was a really great effect. It was really wonderful. And in a way, there's a segment, you know, if you look at the, the drummer's, you know, expression on his face, like, going, fuck, you know, well, he pays my salary, so I have to let him do it. But yeah, this is actually really good. And then finally, you know, John Simo says, well, I don't want to look a complete idiot. So he picks up the, the, the tambourine, starts playing. And, and then eventually, I guess, Peter Frampton realizes that his Big enough solo finale has to take place. So he kind of gets up. The drummer has to like toss the tambourine, pick up the sticks, pick up the cymbal thing at the time and, and hope that Frantum will fuck off to the front of the stage, which he does, but not without having to, you know, picked up, the, held onto the sticks, which he did have and start pounding on the, on, on the speaker cabinet. And then finally he realized it's his time to shine. So why do I talk about all this? One, because you know, nobody's arresting me for doing it, but in all seriousness, I think it, it is it is interesting to to look at problems from a different perspective and even give you try your hand at it. So like not to say that, you know, if you're a guitarist, pick up the drums, but in fact, actually try to do it because it will give you a different expression. And if you're a software engineer and you've specialized in one particular technique or one area of it, stretch yourself a little bit and at least get a passing familiarity for some of these issues because you never know how you're naive enthusiastic, you know, approach to something may spark something new. All right, I'm going to shut up now. And you may find you just enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Is what I'm, I mean, you know, just doing this UI collection for yourself, I, I'm not a person who does a huge amount of UI work. Um, I do a lot of um, sort of back-end work, networking work, performance work, that sort of thing in there. Um, and so I approached, you know, I approached looking for this, problem maybe differently to other people would have done um eventually matt got involved and he does far more ui work than me and then he put me down the line so you know this whole thing about um uh looking you know yeah it's good it's good to it's good to spread your wings because even if you don't bring a fresh thing to it it might expand your your view of what you do know indeed so there we are well, there we are. Well done, John. You made that relevant. Thank you, Scott. So, um, why don't you why why don't you tell us how um how people can can remain relevant by speaking to you? Well, people can find relevance on the only place where anything relevant is taking place. I mean, if it's not in, during a a press conference with Vladimir Putin giving a justification for starting off World War Three, it's on Twitter. <laughs> Where you'll find me as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if people want to broker a peace deal that will maintain the the security posture that Europe has more or less enjoyed since the end of World War II, where might they do that? Well, firstly, I'm hoping that if it's uh, the turn of our Ukrainian listener to listen this week, then please speak to John about the inappropriateness of his comments and not me. Uh, and he could do it. Or you can get hold of me. And um, I am on Twitter as well, where I am MacDevNet. John, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure as always to, um, to, to spend a short time uh, just uh, mulling over the things that have happened and, and the thoughts that we have. And, and hopefully our listener this week has been soundly asleep for the last 20 minutes. 
Welcome <laughs> on the I I Put You to Sleep podcast. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for listening. Don't want to wake you up. And until next time, you take care. Night night. Thank you.